This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 485. And welcome to the jeez. Welcome to the <laughs> <laughs> That's the first time I messed that up in like forever. Let's try that again. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the concealedcarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman. And today we have Matthew Marister co hosting, yes, running things behind the scenes, things that right. we don't see nor do we understand. <laughs> it's best you don't see them because it, it'd be like, you know, totally hectic stuff. No, but. I pulled a lot of good uh, stories for today, some sad ones, some good ones. This is uh, going to be a good episode. I, I had to throw out a lot of other really interesting uh, defensive gun uses, but we got the cream of the crop. So, yeah, excited. Yeah, for sure, man. I, I noticed that actually that I was looking through the stories and I was like, there's a lot here. And so we're going to move right along. And I knew that you had to cut out some other stuff too. So it's been a busy month. And and that's probably a bit unfortunate, right? Because what this means is that there's been a lot of people who have had to use deadly force to defend their lives. Uh, and that's not something I wish upon anybody. But it's a reality that we must face with. And that's why many of us carry a gun. And from these stories, we take from them lessons to be learned uh, that hopefully helps us be a little bit better prepared and make a little bit better decisions than sometimes people make in some of these circumstances. Give you a lot of food for thought, context, right? Today's episode is sponsored, brought to you by Guardian, the Guardian Conference, the 2021 Guardian Conference, that is. Uh, GuardianConference.com is where you can learn more. We're still in our super early bird pricing which means uh, for Guardian Nation members, it's like $300 off right now to participate in the Guardian Conference, which is a steal of a deal. Uh, those of you that are not Guardian Nation members, technically the registration is not open up, but but if you go to the, to the website, you actually are able to sign up, uh, but you're not going to get the, uh, the Guardian Nation member price. You'll still get a really good price. We're, we have early bird pricing available. No promises as to when that'll go away or for how long that'll be valid. So don't delay on getting signed up for the Guardian Conference. This is going to be a three-day event in Oklahoma City, or at least near Oklahoma City. We've got Larry Vickers, Jeff Gonzalez, by the way, who just came on board and uh, signed on for uh, being one of our instructors at this event. I, I think where it stands right now, we pretty much have our instructors figured out. Um, there was a couple of things still pending and Jeff was one of those things. And, and I think where we're at, we're sitting pretty good. We've got, uh, Larry Vickers, Jeff Gonzalez. We got Matt little who puts on a fantastic class. I just was in his full two day course, uh, a little more than a week ago and it was fantastic. Uh, let's see, we've got, well, I'm teaching classes. That's, you know, not nearly as, as cool or special, uh, Jeff Moses or Jeff Moses, <laughs> Steve Moses, man, am I struggling today, Matthew? <laughs> Just a bit. It's all right. Uh, Chuck Haggard, right? We'll have legal courses put on by Andrew Branca. We got Todd Fossey, who's going to be doing some hand-to-hand combatives type stuff. His integrative uh, defense strategies, uh, really good stuff from Todd. 
guys, a bunch of other great instructors. Learn more at guardianconference.com and get signed up. I know ammo is an issue, okay? We had somebody message us to, just today saying it. they really like to come. They're just not sure they can make it work with ammo. I realize that. I promise you, though, that this will be money worth spent, okay? So I hope that you'll, that you'll see that and recognize that and find some way to make this happen, make it work. I'm also working behind the scenes to try to find some sourcing for ammo for the for for students, but I cannot promise anything. All right, so I'm probably saying more than I should even that because some people will probably get their hopes up. I wouldn't do that at all. I I've got a I've got to uh, just keep plugging away and and hopefully we we were able to find some sourcing, but if not, guys, you know, do your best to find some ammo. Uh, the big thing is you want to get that ammo shipped to us before the event. I think our cutoff date is September 13th. That, that has to be in hand. Because um, uh, if you're going to be flying in, for instance, you're probably not going to be able to fly with 800 to 1,000 rounds of ammo. So uh, go to the website, look up uh, details under required gear about how to ship ammo. And there will be some instructions there for getting it to us. We've already received some of you guys' ammo. Uh, so that's fantastic. Uh, but guys, you got like six, seven months dang near still to get signed up. Well, to, to get to get ammo and get to the event. So anyway, um, let's see. Also, I should mention that the Guardian Conference is presented by CCW Safe and uh, also sponsored by a, a featured sponsor today. I want to mention is Mountain Man Medical. Uh, the ready up gear flashlight that this is the modular compact MCF spark. We call it, uh, these are also a fantastic product sponsors of today's episode, the ready up gear MCF spark. You can find it at readyupgear.com. Uh, I I'll tell you, this has become my, my EDC handheld light because it's so compact, but super great performance for its size 550 lumens with a 16340 battery which we also have those rechargeable 16340s available on readyupgear.com and it's got pretty decent throw for again for light of this size um candela numbers are not like amazing on it but but for lights of this size they are actually so you get a really high performance light in a very small compact true edc size see that the ready up gear mcf spark well matthew let's uh get into our first story sure why don't you share it with us we got a 12 year old boy who shoots and kills a home intruder after what i believe is his grandma 73 year old woman was mm -hmm. shot during this robbery that took place in north carolina goldsboro to be specific uh, according to myfox8.com is where you can find the news story. Of course, if you're not familiar, um, guys, with the podcast, we always put these the links to these stories we share on this episode in the show notes for the for the episode. So if you guys want to go check out these stories for yourself, you can do so. Matthew, tell us about this 12-year-old boy that uh, killed this home intruder to defend his grandma. Yeah, this happened uh, February 13th, like you said, Goldsboro, North Carolina. Not sure where that is, but um, 12 year old boy is uh, at home with his, we're uh, assuming his um, grandmother, who's 73 years old. Um, two men uh, forced their way into this apartment at around 1 a.m. in the morning. Um, one of the two men 
shoots the 73-year-old woman. Um, while that happens, the 12-year-old, it's not, there's, there's not a lot of detail as far as uh, exactly what happened inside, other than the 12-year-old uh, has a firearm, shoots one of the um, uh, intruders. The other one obviously runs. They both actually run. Um, and basically they find this guy, uh, you know, with a gunshot wound, uh, down the street at an intersection, they take him and the 73 year old woman to the hospital. Um, the, the guy, the, uh, perpetrator, the, uh, the bad guy in this case, one of the bad guys, he ends up, uh, dying from his gunshot wound and the 73 year old woman makes it through. Um, so far, she seems to be recovering from her injuries. Um, and right now, you know, you have a 73-year-old woman who is recovering from gunshot wounds, right? Um, and a 12-year-old who now has to live the rest of their lives after experiencing a home invasion where they have to shoot um, and, and, you know, kill somebody uh, to defend their grandmother and themselves. It's a, uh, it, I mean, le- you know, it, it's, it's, it's an awesome story. I think uh, about, you know, the, the fact that this, this child who's 12 years old and yes, that's a child, um, but has the wherewithal to, to skillfully and, and um, you know, handle the firearm, shoot this bad guy. Um, it's just, it, it, it's a, it's a sad story at the same time, right? That this kind of stuff is happening that the, the kid who got, who died, um, he's 19 years old. So these are all kids except for the, the grandmother. Um, so it's sad. Um, but, uh, it, it, the, the outcome of the story is, is positive at least, um, as far as that and, you know, uh, but that 12 year old's not going to be the same. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. That's quite a burden for a young child to uh, carry, um, at the same time, I hope, um, while it would probably be wise for him to attend some counseling of some sort, I, I would hope that what he could see from this and learn, um, hopefully his parents and his grandmother, uh, a psychologist, whoever can, can help him understand that, look, um, you know, you saved your grandmother's life, right? With your actions. And, uh, that's a pretty big deal. Um, it's kind of actually funny listening to you uh, t- walk us through the story, Matthew, because you're like, this 12-year-old boy, uh, he had a firearm. Like, you know, I was like, I thought that the picture that went in my mind is this 12-year-old kid in this home is just like, he's got a gun. He's just walking around the house. He's packing a gun, you know. Uh, I don't know where this gun came from, but he clearly knew how to get to it, knew how to access it, was, uh, was aware of it. And, you know, of course, we want to be... Uh, we want to be cautious with, you know, how we store and handle firearms inside homes with younger children around. Everybody's got to make, you know, appropriate decisions for their household uh, because this is not the first time, nor is it the last time that we've had uh, teen aged, you know, uh, children. He's, he's 12. He's not technically quite a teen, but, uh, you know, we've, we've had a few stories where 12 and 13 and 14 and 15 year old, you know, juveniles have, for whatever reason, been able to grab a gun and use it in defense in, in their homes, uh, which I think is, is great that, that that's able to happen. Um, so, you know, have a good plan in place for how your farms are stored and stored safely to keep out of, out of the hands of unauthorized persons and those that are too young. And, but you know, you might have 
some other procedures in place that allows uh, a juvenile, you know, resident of your home to uh, to be able to be part of the defensive solution. I I don't want that for my own family. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I'm fortunate in that most of my days I'm, I spend working from home and I'm here and able to be a part of my family, you know, throughout the day and and able to defend. But you know, I, I would not wish it upon my my own children to have to take that burden upon mm-hmm. themselves. Yeah. And probably a lot of you listening have kids and have firearms, right? And so um, you've probably gone through this thought in your head of the maturity level of your child. How involved are they with, you know, firearms and training and how much, uh, you you know, um, leeway you can give them as far as, uh, you know, their maturity or their safety ability to be safe with the firearm and stuff. So um, everybody's different, right? We're not saying that this is, you know, this grandmother was negligent in having the 12 year old have access. Um, but there's probably some 12 year olds who shouldn't have access to firearms, right? Like that maybe are not, um, uh, ready for that kind of responsibility. So. Yep. Uh, yep. Let's go now to a story in the daily mail, dailymail.co.uk. Um, I probably, we probably could have picked a more local source for this, but the details actually in this article, from Daily Mail are actually pretty spot on uh, because this is a story I've followed pretty closely because it's an incident that happened pretty close to where I used to live in Idaho, uh, in the city of Idaho Falls, which is a relatively small city for you know compared to most major cities in the U.S. But uh, um, this was an unfortunate incident. There was a wanted man that had a, a, a I believe, a warrant for his arrest. Uh, they tracked him down, tried to uh, pull him over. Um, this individual got out of the vehicle and started running. And he was basically running through this neighbor, this residential neighborhood where he was jumping over fences and things like that. And police are in pursuit. So you have a couple of officers that were pursuing him through this neighborhood. And during the course of this, the officers interacted with a couple of residents in the area. Uh, one of these officers spoke with the resident of a home who, uh, you know, they basically were like, Hey, you know, we're looking for a guy. He may have come through here. Have you seen him? And uh resident said, yeah, I, I saw him. He went this direction. And so cops are still in pursuit, right? They're trying to track this guy down. At some point, another officer you know, again, they're they're combing this neighborhood trying to find this guy. Another officer coming through the area, uh, I believe, proceeding through the yard of a home. Um, he uh, ended up spying a man, matching. You know, with a similar description, meaning, you know, it was kind of like the, the 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 whole you know black shirt, blue jeans kind of description. Um, and so this other officer comes into this yard sees a man with with a black shirt and he's got a gun in his hand and unfortunately that officer discharged his weapon but before anybody realized it what he had just done is shot the resident of that home which was the same resident that had been spoken with by another officer earlier in this chase um, that resident of the home did did pass away from a single gunshot wound. Now, later they did catch up with this uh, wanted man 
Um, but uh, unfortunately, the damage had been done, meaning that uh, a, a good a good guy was killed. But there's, you know, and these things are tough. These are difficult things. And this is an investigation that is ongoing and likely will continue on, you know, going for some time, I would guess, as they really, you know, this is the type of thing, Matt, and I'm sure you understand, Matthew, uh, having spent part of your career in law enforcement work, that when, when things go wrongly, like they did here, people want to know why, mm-hmm. right? And there's, and we want to know how how this came to be. How did we end up shooting an innocent man in a, on on his own property? And from what we know from details regarding the incident, I mean, there's there's definitely plenty for us to go to look at and go. Yeah, there, we had a situation where the owner of this property came outside of his home with a gun in his hand. And I mean, cops are looking for a guy that they believe. Was, oh, by the way, I, I, I've, I forgot to mention that they, they were told this was this man that they're chasing after was armed. Mm-hmm. So you have to put this in context of you're running through. This is at night. It's like 12 or one, 12 o'clock or one o'clock in the morning. Um, actually, I'm looking. It is dark, though. It doesn't really matter exactly what time. You know, so it's late. It's dark. You see a man that matches even loosely a description and has a gun in his hand. What do you think? Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, the, the first reaction for, by some people would be, well, couldn't we issue some warnings? Like, you know, stop right there, you know, show me your hands, drop the weapon, that kind of thing. Um, We, we don't know yet if it's possible that some of those commands were issued before the shot that was fired um, that became fatal. Um, Don't know that for sure though, or it could have been something where, an officer came around the corner of something, a corner of a, of a, of a garage, a building, a tree, and is practically face to face with this man wearing a black shirt and having a gun in his hand and, and feels like there's, you know, there's no time except for to react. So I'm sure that this could be analyzed at a much, much deeper level, especially as more details became available, especially from a, how law enforcement does their job perspective, but what I'd like to rather focus on a little bit for us this time. And Matthew, I'll let you touch some more on it. Um, in fact, I'd like you to elaborate, but I'm going to, I'm going to point out the big, big, big lesson to be learned here for me is beware going outside your home in the middle of the night with a gun in hand, especially when you know there's law enforcement in the area and that kind of thing. Like, that's the big thing here is this guy didn't need to be outside his home at this point. He had spoken with officers already. He'd provided some details about, you know, where this man may have gone. Um, okay. Get back in your house, lock the doors, hunker down. Right. I'm not saying, you know, like this is, this is one of those things where Matthew or Andrew Brinka talks about it. Matthew is like that, things don't necessarily always have to be and things aren't necessarily always good or right or, or perfect in the way they, they happen. Right. It's sometimes crappy things happen, but they're reasonable decisions that were made. Right. Mm -hmm. Crap happens, but it's still something that's considered to be reasonable considering the circumstances. Mm -hmm. And to me on the surface, at least from the details we know about this incident is that, 
this is one of those crappy situations that is unfortunate, but reasonable decisions likely were made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, I think what the phrase you're thinking of is uh, he'll say it often is it, they're lawful but awful. Yeah, right. Like the outcome is awful. Um, and we don't know, you know, there's there, like you said, there's a lot that is going to go into this to see if the, the shooting was justified or not. But, um, you know, that's sort of irrelevant, you know, uh, as far as what we're trying to focus on here. Um, I, I think, you, I mean, you hit it on the head. He knew that. And, and before I say anything, I, I'm not blaming this man for his own death, right? I'm not, I'm not assigning blame to anybody here. What I'm trying to do is say there are some things that we could do better uh, in order to, to lessen the likelihood and expose us to an outcome like this. And um, you, you said, you know, he knew that officers were out in the area looking for somebody Um, that's, that's, you know, indication number one, don't go outside your home. Um, but you know, this happens a lot. I I, I don't want to say a lot. This happens more than it should. And it's almost always a a, a series of, you know, bad decisions on the homeowner's part or the the police officer's part in in certain ways that after you look back and you're like, oh man, if, if this person would have just done this or that person would have just done that, this wouldn't have happened. Right. And so it's hard, but, um, I think, you know, we have to restrain ourselves and this goes into, even if he did, I mean, some of these instances that happen like this, uh, the person doesn't know that there's police outside, they hear something outside, right. And they go out to investigate and, and, and it might be an officer searching the backyard and not identifying themselves. Right. And, and they're searching a backyard for somebody who just bailed out of a car and now you go outside and you startle an officer with the firearm pointed at him and you get shot. I mean, that's happened. Right. And whether or not it's right or it should happen is, again, is is sort of irrelevant to the point that we can do some things on our own, um, regardless of the, the, the level of training of the officers. Right. Like we can do some things on our own that increase our chances of this not happening. And that's like you said, stay in your home. Don't go out searching around at night. Um, you know, when you, when you head to the door, if somebody's knocking on your door at night, be aware of, you know, you carrying a firearm to the door to open it up and an officer might be looking through the window or side light on your door, um, see somebody coming with a gun and, and it's happened where they, they just see a shadow with the firearm coming towards the door and they're going to a burglary alarm or something like that and think, Hey, somebody's coming to the door. Uh, this could be the person who's broken into this house. So um, you know, I, I, rem- I wrote an article sort of uh, covering this on the last incident that I thought was tragic. And um, I was surprised with a lot of the people that couldn't connect the dots between the homeowner's responsibility to, you know, th- their component in, in the whole mix. And, and so I hope that, you know, unfortunately, the more these things are, are made aware, people are made aware of these, that they'll start actually taking that kind of stuff seriously, that kind of, you know, advice that, you know, yeah, that's your castle and everything. But you you, you really need to think about, how, you know, what you're doing outside and inside with a firearm in your hand. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yep. yep. Um, 
consider other strategies. If if you feel there is a need for whatever reason to uh, go outside of your home and a similar situation is playing out. Um, and again, I think the safest place for us is to be in the, in the home. Right. But uh, yeah. consider having that gun in a holster. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, rather than walking around with it in your hand, because an officer coming upon a man just randomly, but very quickly they're able to see that his hands are empty. That's going to present very differently than one where they round a corner and there's a guy standing there with a gun in hand. So um, just give that some thought, you know, as far as if there are some ways or strategies where you may be able to, like if this is the middle of the night, well, maybe consider having a means where you can strap on uh, some rudimentary clothes and a, and a belt and a holster or whatever, you know, uh, to, so you can have that be more or less concealed in the event that you have to interact with uh, officers that are already a little bit antsy because again, they're told they're, they're looking for a wanted man, a man that by the way, had a previous history with law enforcement and was known to be violent and violent towards law enforcement. So that's, that's why this is so tough because there's a lot of factors and reasons why they were pursuing this guy so heavily like they were. And with the, 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 the attitude that, Hey, this could go sideways very quickly because we know who this guy is and he's, he's done some pretty bad stuff before. So, and, and as the resident, you might not have all that context. So keep that in mind that in, in a relatively benign, what you might per- perceive to be a benign situation might not be that at all. Matthew and I, we talked offline a few weeks back about a situation we had here locally in the Colorado, in the Denver Metro area where, an officer was killed by another officer mm-hmm. in a very similar kind of situation, pursuit of a suspect at night, hopping fences and coming, you know, came upon another, a fellow officer uh, that just the way it played out and lighting and all of that, it was unclear as to who he was until shots were already fired. Um, so anyway, it's unfortunate, and we, and we want to try to avoid this kind of stuff from happening. Now, Matthew, you wrote a great article on our website. Link is in the show notes called Your Armed Response to the Late Night Knock at the Door Could Get You Killed. Uh, guys, I encourage you to go read this. There are several examples and of, of kind of similar situations that I think would be good food for thought for any of you listening or viewing to kind of go through and review and ponder and think about how that might impact your response to particularly late night um, incidents, whether it's a knock at the door, whether it's a noise in the house, whether it's a noise outside of the home on your property, uh, whatever it is, give it some thought as to how you handle yourself, conduct yourself and respond to situations like this. Yeah. Agree, man. Local10.com reports this out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Surveillance video captures Fort Lauderdale homeowner opening fire on burglars. This has some video associated with it, so I'm actually going to share some of that with those of you that are 
able to view with us uh, live right now. Um, but uh, for those of you that cannot see this, that are listening to the podcast, well, feel free to go to the show notes and pull up this this article for yourself, and you can you can watch the video for yourself. Not a whole lot here necessarily, except that we see in this incident some suspects, uh, two males, go into a carport, and they end up trying to take some stuff. I'm gonna zoom in a little bit here. You may hear some of the audio there. But uh, these guys start taking some stuff from the carport of this man's home. And there you see him there wearing coveralls. He must be a hardworking man. Yep. So goes into the carport, grabs a pressure washer, grabs some other stuff. And this is where you're going to see the homeowner comes out from the right of, well, the one video shot. Here he is. And he's giving them commands, telling them to stop. I think he even indicates, you know, stop right there, get down or drop to the ground. And then he fires a shot, which that shot injures one of these thieves, one of these burglars. And that's kind of where that ends there. Um, So he fires a single shot and stops them. Well, they actually take off at that point, but he stopped the theft, right? That was kind of the point. And if you listen to his own words, he says that he's happy that he chose to uh, stop them from prevent, you know, to, he, he prevented them from stealing his stuff that he's worked so hard for. Mm-hmm. That's why this article is in our podcast today, because this is the wrong attitude to have. This is the wrong mindset to have towards these kinds of things. Use of deadly force to prevent theft of property only is not a good idea, right? Now, to my knowledge, this man has not been charged with with any crimes, um, but in some jurisdictions, I could see this absolutely having some charges thrown his way by an aggressive DA. Even not even a even a, a mildly aggressive DA might be inclined to go after a man for something like this, because keep in mind that this is Florida; it's not Texas. Texas is one of the I think it's actually probably the only state that has some unique and limited circumstances as it relates to the protection of property with deadly force, which by the way, one of those circumstances is that it's got to be after dark, which this incident was not. But again, we're in Florida, so it doesn't apply here. Use of deadly force to defend human life, that's okay. Use of deadly force to stop you know, a, a theft of property, generally not acceptable period uh he says that when he was you know uh, uh, approaching them he was giving them commands he says that they were acting uh kind of violent towards him or aggressive towards him and he in the words he said in his interview was he didn't know if they were armed so he fired a shot all of that language is very concerning to me so you know, I, I, I don't like judging people too harshly, but this is a perfect example of a lesson to be learned that, guys, please try to separate in your minds the idea of using a gun to defend property versus defending life. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I can't I can't add anything to to that because we cover this like All you know we, we kick the dead horse like constantly we're like beating that thing right. Um, but and we will continue to do so, like right? because we still get this is a common like this is a very common like thought process is I work hard for my my stuff and therefore I'm going to shoot somebody. And if they die, that's their fault because I work hard for my stuff. And it's just like, dude, I, I get it. Like we all really work hard, right? Like, I don't think anybody doesn't work hard for their stuff. Um, but this isn't the greatest mindset to have. And while he may not be charged, we don't know what's going to happen to this guy. Um, I wouldn't use this as fuel to say, well, this guy didn't get charged. So you know, this is this is going to be my my credo for for the rest of my life because it's going to lead you down into using force when you shouldn't. I, that I, I'm com- yep. convinced of that mentality. Um, it, one big thing that I I just wanted if you if you guys go to and wa- go to the show notes and watch the video is these guys aren't like high high level sophisticated burglars, right? Like, but you can see they're coordinated. Like one dude goes one way, the other guy looks like he's on his phone and walks the other way. And so when, when we're talking about like going outside to confront people, you may, this guy knew there there were two because he had a camera and he saw them coming up, but you may go out and only see one guy and not realize that there's other people. And it doesn't take a sophisticated team of burglars to, you know, split up. And Hey, if, if he captures me, you know, you come in and you'll be behind him. So just be aware that, you know, you may not have the whole picture when you go out to protect your stuff. Um, you know, people, if we're willing to shoot somebody over a, 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 over a pressure washer, we have to realize that they're willing to, I mean, criminals kill people all the time for, for you know a dollar fifty or or for nothing right like they want to steal a dog i i think that that was would be in the wrong way <laughs> right right so just just remember that you know like those people are just as willing to end somebody's life as as you are if you're willing to go out there and shoot them over a pressure washer so i don't yeah. know yeah that's the perspective we i think we've got to have um i i understand people that Nobody likes to get their stuff stolen. And we work hard for our stuff. Um, I recognize that, right? But even criminal lives, I'm sorry. I know there's going to be people out there that disagree with me. I think it's I think it's incredibly important for us as decent law-abiding folks to value life, all life, above stuff, including our own stuff. I know that's I know because I, I know I've 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 had conversations I've had interactions with people that I know based on those interactions they would completely disagree with what I'm saying right now, but I think that there's a reason why we're the good guys, okay, and it's because we don't want people to get hurt, we don't want laws to be broken, we don't want to see people killed or we don't want to have to do the killing okay I don't carry a gun to kill people i carry a gun to prevent really bad stuff from happening to me or people i care about and by that i mean me or my family or friends being killed or receiving great bodily injury that's why i carry a gun and it's not about me feeling obligated to kill 
an attacker upon me or my family. It's that I will use and exercise deadly force until the threat stops. Whatever that takes. If that means they run away, great. Awesome. Mission accomplished. If that means they are shot and wounded, okay. That's what it took and they stopped. That means they are shot and they die. That is incredibly unfortunate, but it was their choice. You know, Matt Little and I talked about this in his episode not too long ago, but do the math. That was that was their choice. It was them versus me. One of us had to go. So I did what I had to do, but it, the focus was on stopping the threat against me or my loved ones. Um, stuff is just stuff. I know it. I know it sucks. I know we don't like losing stuff that we worked hard to get. And it's hard to replace sometimes. But if we're going to be the, truly the good guys, that's the attitude we got to have. Human life is inherently valuable. Yes, even the criminals. Hmm. I know that people will disagree with me on that, but that's that's what being a good guy is about. Agree. Totally. And, we, and we're pretty consistent on that. So. Oh, yeah. 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 Just feel like it's a, as many times as this comes up, and we have, you know, like you said, beat the dead horse on this. Um, w- w- I can't assume that somebody isn't listening to this episode right now. That is, you know, that it, I can't assume that you haven't heard other previous episodes before. So it's a lesson that's going to keep coming up again and again, and we're going to preach on again and again. But do not use deadly force to to protect property. Just don't. Right. If you want to be a good guy, if you want to uh, avoid as much as possible legal troubles of any kind, criminal or civil, that's the attitude you want to have. Matthew, tell us about this story on globalnews.ca. A man shot dead while filming robbery prank for YouTube. Yeah, so this is not a great story, but obviously there's some lessons to be learned. So um, this is happened in low. Uh, let me pull. Grab the wrong article here. Uh, here we go. Um, this happened um, to a 20 year old man. So basically, I, I mean, I'm not part of the YouTube or all these challenges that people are filming on. You know, probably most of you guys are older than that, but maybe there's some people that are listening that are into these YouTube pranks and stuff. But apparently, um, some of these people go out and they stage robberies and certain things and um, on YouTube and they post them and then they get lots of views and make a whole bunch of money on a, on a, a video. Um, so a 20 year old man decides, Hey, let's, uh, let's, let's film this prank. Uh, they have a couple buddies. They're going to shoot this video. Um, and they're going to pull out some knives and stage this robbery, um, at, you know, nine, close to nine thirty at night at this trampoline park or, or whatever it might be. Um, so they're out in the parking lot. They approach a, a group of uh, a couple people with knives and are making any, every intention to make it seem like they're going to rob them. They don't tell them that this is a, you know, this is, this is a prank. Just go along with it because they want the real reactions apparently. So uh, they go to, to do this and unbeknownst to them, one of the people that they're going to rob is a concealed carrier and is armed. So he 
justifiably sees two men coming with knives saying that they're going to rob him. He draws his firearm and shoots and shoots the guy. Um, he ends up dying. And, it, and it's, it's, you know, it's a sad story. Um, but you know, we have to like, this is kind of what we, what you were talking about, Riley, like in the other stories is like, we have to picture ourselves, like, how are we going to be perceived by somebody else? Right. Like, so whether we have a firearm and we come out into the, into the dead of night when police are searching or how are we going to be perceived if we're just praying, you know, praying a joke, I'm not saying that anybody out there is going around with knives and pretending to rob people, but you know, obviously this kid didn't have that, that, you know, kind of voice in his head to say like, wait a second, like I'm uh, somebody, I might get hurt. Like somebody, this, this is not a joke. Right. So, um, remember that that people are going to perceive you. And this is, this could be the same thing when you pull out a a gun to kind of deescalate a situation that doesn't involve deadly force and you pull out a firearm, like, okay, I'm going to deescalate this. Hey, everybody calm down. And, And somebody's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like dude's starting to draw a gun and you know, uh, bad stuff could happen. So just, you know, be aware of like what, what you're doing. Yeah. I put this in that category of people chasing after fame and viral videos, you know, Mm. viral status. Uh, so this, this, this young man has, or had a YouTube channel, uh, that like many others probably had that desire of wanting to be the next big thing. I, I, it sounds like he had a, at least a fair number of followers. I, I don't know. I don't know how many subscribers he had, but it was all, I think in the chase of being, being famous, right. Getting his 15 minutes uh, and, and probably more than that. Um, filming something that they probably thought would be humorous. Like, Hey, let's capture on video. These funny reactions of people that we scare. Cause we, we pretend to go rob them. Um, Okay, yeah, I can kind of see the humor in that, except that it's a pretty serious thing. And when you make people actually believe that you're coming after them with a deadly weapon, hey, this is America, bro. You know, and people actually do carry guns. Some of this might fly more in like London, England, or someplace, you know, where people don't walk around carrying handguns. And I know that the anti-gunners would probably look at this and be like, this is exactly why we shouldn't have regular citizens carrying guns because this death would have been prevented. That's a stupid position to take because we cover these justified save stories in an effort to put it out there that there are legitimate uses of deadly force by people carrying guns every day across this country that saves lives, that saves the good people's lives. All right. There are limited instances like this where people do stupid stuff. And in this case, yes, it's unfortunate. And, and it, there was nothing meant to come out of this, uh, at least nefarious. But this young man made a stupid choice and it cost him his life. It sucks. But hopefully, and I've seen a few videos because I did a little research on this, Matthew. But there's other YouTube channels that have put out videos about this 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 YouTuber and kind of honoring his life and talking about, Hey, maybe this wasn't a smart idea. So yeah. yeah, And Ken's comment here on Facebook. Some of those guys that do pranks on strangers are dumb. Yeah. It, it, for, for this reason, things Mm -hmm. can go sideways. Uh, I've seen some other similar things that 
didn't necessarily result in deadly force, but people getting beat up and stuff, <laughs> yeah. you know, because they, they don't know what's going on. Right. Anyway. Uh, office employee shoots man during machete attack. Orlando police say this was according to clickorlando.com. Uh, so obviously this happened in Orlando, Florida. And this was a situation at a local temp staffing agency. Uh, it was in, in the morning, about 9.30 a.m. Uh, a man came into the business. There was some kind of altercation, disagreement, argument. I don't know exactly what. Uh, but he started attacking two of the employees there, this business with machete. And one of those two employees was able to draw and fire their gun. And uh, uh, he, uh, I believe, is re- was taken to the hospital um, with a gunshot wound and expected to be okay. He's charged with attempted felony homicide, aggravated battery with a deadly weapon, and other charges. Both of these employees were taken also to a nearby hospital with lacerations and expect to be okay. So from what I could gather from this, Matthew, is we have two individuals that were cut or stabbed by this machete of, of his. And one of those in the midst of that is able to is is one of the ones is able to draw that and use their gun to mm-hmm. stop this attack. Mm-hmm. So again, talking about how I think incredibly relevant and important it is that in the u.s of a we have the second amendment and regular people are able to carry guns that are put to good use in preventing like this likely would have ended very differently if these two employees were not able to defend themselves yeah yeah i mean i I think it's pretty obvious that this guy really wanted to make the cut I'll let you guys think about that. But no, it's a joke. Um, <laughs> here, here's the thing, like, right, like this, th- this is the issue. I think if, if we pass this up and we don't, we don't kind of touch on this, I, I think we're missing a, a, an opportunity. There's a lot of people that are out of work and there are a lot of people that are stressed out. There are a lot of people that um, have seen, you know, their, their, their businesses and, and, and their opportunities and uh, uh, evaporate. Right. And so this guy is at, and and I'm not, I'm not justifying this at all. I'm just saying like these things where we're seeing a lot more carjackings, a lot more burglaries, a lot more strong arm robberies. This is happening because people are becoming desperate and more um, isolated. Right. And so these things are, are happening. And I, I have to believe that, or, or, or I, I'm surmising that this might have this guy might have just lost it because he's going to try to get a job and maybe maybe he can't get a job right. It's a staffing uh, you know temp agency type thing and he's trying to make money and you know um, again not not justifying pulling out a machete and trying to chop people up but um, but we have to be a little bit more on our toes and, and a little bit more I don't want to say compassionate but a little bit more aware of like what's happening around us with with human beings in, in the, the, the situations they might be in. So um, again, the total use of force is justified and everything. I just, I wanted to kind of touch on that and just kind of say like, maybe, you know, maybe some good acts of kindness go a long way to stopping something like this um, from, from even, you know, happening. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Uh, you know, it recently I was in a conversation with, with somebody about how 
you know, when we carry a gun, it can tend to be a situation where we treat that gun as a wooby, right? As like the gun itself is a magic talisman that protects us and that, oh, I am unprotected if I go somewhere without my gun. Um, and conversation came up, you know, talking about there's there are so, some circumstances where maybe we're unable to carry a gun. We're not we're unable to be armed, um, you know, whether that's by law or by policy and you don't want to put your job in jeopardy and you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, um, you know, some people will say, well, I, I, I will never go somewhere where I can't carry my gun. And, and, and some of that's based on a political argument. Uh, Second Amendment argument. Some of that's based on they're uncomfortable not having their gun with them. And I think what I'm, where I'm going with this is that it's important to recognize that we should always have options and strategies and, and means whereby we can avoid and or defend ourselves even when we don't have a gun. And some of that can also be based on you know evaluating situations and risk profiles and going, hey, I'm in a relatively secure place. Uh, my threat, the threat profile here, the likelihood of a threat emerging is relatively low. Um, and you might take that into consideration and go, for whatever reason, I don't need to have a gun here or it's not allowed or whatever, right? One of the reasons why I advocate for everyday true carry, which I do, uh, I would say out of 365 days in a year that I carry probably 300 and probably 355 of those days. I, and it's hard for me to know exactly. There are days I don't carry for a variety of reasons, um, but they're very few and far in between. Stories like this that we just covered are kind of like one of those stories why I feel the way I do about truly caring every day, even in situations or in places where I feel relatively safe and secure or my threat you know, profile is low. Um, because stuff happens all the time in places that we don't think of as being potentially or likely violent places or situations. And, uh, I'm, I'm really glad this individual was able to be armed and able to defend themselves. Mm -hmm. Matthew, why don't you tell us about this story out of the Bronx? According to nydailynews.com, Bronx gunman shoots two men, one fatally then shot in the head fighting over weapon with surviving victim. Yeah, this is, this is a, a sad story as well. So um, you have a shop owner in the Bronx. Um, he, 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 there's a shop owner and the, then there's an employee in the, in the um, shop. And now we have another guy um, who's the suspect and he's a drug dealer, uh, known drug dealer in the area. Um, they say even in the article that he's been selling like spice and, um, just, just not, not the greatest guy. So, um, Dante is this, not the store owner, but, um, he is the employee in the store. He's a big dude. Um, if they show some pictures of him, he's a big guy. Um, and so basically this, this drug dealer, the bad guy is inside the store and Dante basically throws him out. Uh, says some things, knocks his hat off and stuff. So, of course, this guy can't physically overpower Dante, right? So, in his wisdom, he says, well, I'm going to come back and kill you. 
I'm sure that living in this this area that that's probably been said to these guys a lot. In fact, Dante he'd been in prison and stuff, not to, to you know besmirch his his um, his reputation or anything, but it shows like he he wasn't you know uh, uh, you know shy to violence, and he this this wasn't you know something that he uh, was you know, completely uh, caught off guard about. Right. So he probably was like, I can handle myself. This guy's an idiot. Um, but he does come back with a firearm and uh, he shoots Dante um, in the head, goes in inside, shoots Dante um, in the head. Um, and Dante dies on scene inside the shop, but the shop owner is outside while this guy goes in and he hears the shots. He's not armed, but he runs inside um, to confront this guy, he gets shot in the, in it, it at one part, it, it says the chest, but another part, maybe the side. So may, maybe somewhere in there, but it's not life threatening. Um, but he's bleeding a lot and eventually starts saying, you know, th- it says that he's going in and out of consciousness. Uh, he ends up surviving, but in the meantime, he over overpowers this, uh, or starts wrestling with this bad guy with the gun who just shot Dante. And, um, he either during the struggle, the bad guy gets shot in the head or he gets the gun and shoots the guy. It's not really clear, but there's a video. They drag this guy out and a bystander and the store owner who had been shot. You see him just beating this guy yeah. um, about the head out on the on, on the snowbank that's out in front of the, the shop. So um the store owner and the dude that uh, the bad guy both are taken to the hospital with um, uh, injuries. The store owner seems to be that he's going to recover, um, but the bad guy is still um, in critical condition. So it's just sad. And then they go and, and talk about Dante and, you know, mentioned that he was in prison, but he had, you know, been, been working hard. He has kids and he, he was a, a good guy in the, in the community and trying to do, do good stuff. But, um, they said one, one of the things that came, um, was kind of stood out to me is, um, they were talking about some of the, some of the dudes, um, in the neighborhood were being interviewed. And, um, he's one of, one of the guys said, um, uh, that he was like hard headed or, or, um, you know, he, he wasn't afraid to get, hands-on with people. And that can be a a good thing, but it can also expose you to um, violence back to you. So I'm not saying like that he deserved any of this. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying like, if we're going to take, you know, some lessons out of here, maybe, um, you know, maybe at certain times you got to pick your battles as far as how far are you willing to, uh, to get involved with um, using physical violence or, or something like that to, uh, to get the point across, maybe calling the police or something like that would have been better. Who knows? I don't know if the police response time, I'm not saying he did anything wrong. I'm just saying in, in our situations, if we have an opportunity to po- possibly pick a different course, um, it might be, um, the wiser, so, uh, you know, choice, but it's a sad story. It's a definitely sad story, but it was pretty cool that this guy not armed, he goes in there and he's like, I'm going to, you know, help my, my employee. Who's a, who's a friend of his. And, um, even not being armed, he's, he's in there trying to affect the outcome in a positive way. Yeah. Yep. So while you've been explaining some of this, I started playing the surveillance video 
showing the outside of the store part of this fight and you see them wrestle him outside the store and like you said taking control of this man and, and basically you know beating him uh and again at some point during this he he was shot in the head with his own gun apparently surviving um mm-hmm. so pretty pretty interesting but it goes to show how often people actually survive headshots yeah. more often than you know or than than you think so anyway um quite a risky move the shop owner made to actually hear the gunshot to to recognize what was taking place to actually run in there put himself in harm's way uh that's that's pretty interesting i mean that's remarkable frankly uh literally running running into harm's way uh i think is a testament of the kind of person this this guy must be as far as you know willing to go in there and try to, to help his his employee and uh, help his the people in his store. Um, he was wounded himself, but apparently the gun on, gun shop owner or, or the shop owner is going to survive as well. Just a remarkable story. Of course, it's in Bronx, so you know, <laughs> guys, none of the the victims in this case were probably packing you know any heat. So yeah. that's unfortunate because imagine how different it would be if they could actually defend themselves properly. Mm. Does anybody think that if there was a no gun sign on the door that that would have made any difference? Like, I just would love to ask somebody like just in this in this situation, let's not talk about any other situation. But if there was a no gun sign, you think that this that, that would have been any different? Like, of course it wouldn't. Right. So I don't know. I don't, I don't have to preach to the choir, but and New York has some of the most absolutely strict gun laws in the country. And yet here you have a drug dealer packing around a gun. Mm-hmm. Anyway, on to we have two more stories. Let's wrap this up here uh, in Loris, South Carolina. Uh, this is a really sad story. Um, actually, hold on. I was thinking a different one. I'm going to give you that story. I'm going to come. I'm going to do this one. All right. Okay. Suspect shot dead by neighbor after killing mother and stabbing father in Apple Valley. All right. So this happened in Apple Valley, California. A 30-year-old man was shot and killed by his neighbor, and this happened because this 33-year-old man was stabbing his stepmother and father. Some kind of argument broke out between him and his dad and stepmom. They, they're both, you know, not, he's 33 years old. His dad's 58. His stepmom is 55. Um, he starts stabbing them with a knife. All right. And apparently this either started outside the home or, or, or went outside the home because the victims were found in the street. Uh, he did end up stabbing and killing his stepmom and uh, a neighbor, actually several neighbors tried to assist. Okay. So here's, here's what, here's where it gets interesting. You have this, this man stabbing his dad and his stepmom at some point, you know, neighbors come out, they try to stop him. Uh, people are probably you know, yelling at him, whatever he does actually break off the, the initial attack. All right. And at this point, neighbors step in and try to help, uh, this, this man named Jerry. That's his, that's this guy's uh, father, Jerry, his stepmom, Lorraine, uh, neighbors called 911 and stepped in to assist Jerry and Lorraine. But then the, the son returned again with the knife and proceeded to attack Lorraine with the knife again. 
Uh, it's likely from the second attack on her is where she was ultimately killed. Um, his dad ended up in the hospital and is recovering uh, from serious life-threatening injuries. Uh, one of the neighbors went back into his home and is an 84-year-old man who retrieved a, a handgun and went out and shot the son and killed him right there. Uh, and that's what it took to stop this attack. So the big thing that I wanted to highlight here, Matthew, and I'll let you, you know, throw in any other lessons that you took from this, but the big thing that is, it, you know, the saying, it, it ain't over till the fat lady sings, right? Um, problem is we don't always know when the fat lady sings in situations like this. Um, the fact is sometimes situations appear to be over and they're not. You remember the uh, situation out of Pennsylvania where the neighbors arguing over the snow, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and the man shot the, the woman and her husband and then goes back and comes back with a rifle and finishes them off. And in the short interim there, that little brief period between the initial attack and the final attack, neighbors come out and are checking on them and seeing if everything's okay. And, that you know, trying to render assistance and aid, and that's when the the man comes back to finish them off. So this reminded me of that story because neighbors interceded and managed to initially break off this attack, but then he returns. So let that be a lesson to all of us. All right, that we can't assume that it's over until it's really, really over. What that means is, let's say that I use my gun in self-defense against a threat of some kind, and that threat ran off. I might be inclined to think, okay, problem, you know, averted, right? I used my gun, the threat ran away, all is well now. What if that threat comes back? Okay, just keep that in mind. All right, we still need to be we still need to be uh, maintaining our 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 personal security. We need to get to a place of safety if we are able to. Uh, we need to take cover if we if we need to, uh, if we can. We need to if we're unable to do any of those things. We need to still remain oh, as much as best as we can, alert and aware of what's going on, and be ready for that attack to uh, continue or resume again. It's certainly a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't really add anything other than just, I mean, if anybody in, we, I think we, we talk about this quite a bit, but like the, everybody who's listening right now, like think of the the scenario that where you're going to use your firearm and that you probably, everybody probably has like their top scenario that they're like, okay, I'm going to do this and the bad guys, in, but like, all right, just kind of throw that away. Cause that's probably not what's going to happen. Right. Like it's probably not going to go down the way you think. So, like you said, you have to be prepared and, and, and aware of your surroundings and know that you're exposing yourself to to stuff that you just don't know. And I'm not you know, we've, we've never said don't ever get involved in anything unless it has to do with you. I wouldn't take a hardline stance. Um, I, I would just say, you know understand what you're getting in, involved in when you intervene on somebody else's behalf. Yeah. Thank God he did because, you know, this could have ended quite differently. Um, but, you know, um, you know, I don't want to beat the dead horse, but there, you know, there we go. Yep. You know, uh, it, to, to that point, it, it's like the first 
know, it's not really a rule, but like the first thing that a first responder, like an EMS, you know, fire, uh, paramedic, like one of the first things that you learn going through training is make sure the scene is safe mm-hmm. before you get involved before you start trying to render aid to people. You have to make sure the scene is safe. Usually it's good given in the context of like accidents and, and, and those kinds of things that, Hey, are there other vehicles that, you know, we're on a highway and we're trying to render aid. Like, uh, you know, we need to make sure that, or somebody just got electrocuted, right? Like, Hey, I can't just automatically assume it's safe for me to grab this person. I might, you know, they may still be electrified or, or the area may, may, you know, may be, may be electrified. Uh, that kind of thing. It's, it's about making sure the scene is safe first before you consider rendering aid, because if you don't, then you yourself get hurt. And now we've got two people that need aid and you were unfortunately one of those that was qualified or able to step in and assist. So it goes the same too goes to these kind of situations with uh, self-defense use of force. You got to make sure the scene is safe. Mm-hmm. That's the big lesson. Yeah. Matthew final story. Tell us about this one out of Loris, South Carolina, where a man shot and killed a man who had a knife at this gas station in self-defense after a road rage incident. Yep. So there you go. Road rage incident. We, you can kind of, you know, imagine what happens from that. So road rage incident, one guy in a car pulls up to a gas pump. Uh, the other guy that was obviously angry uh, pulls up behind him. The guy in the, in the in the front car stays in his vehicle. The guy in the, in the rear car that pulls up behind the other guy or the truck um, gets out of his vehicle, approaches the, the, the guy in the uh, truck in front with a with a knife tries to open the the driver's side door um, and the driver shoots him. Um, So it's, 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 you know, it's a cut and dry, basically, you know, we could say, okay, obviously don't do this. Right. Like, but I think it's, it's so like, it's crazy because we just covered something last week. I think it was where a shooting, you know, um, started with a road rage incident. And so, you know, it, it, it's it's just so simple to just say, look, I don't I don't know in, unless somebody purposely was trying to run you off the road and kill you or, you know, shooting at you on the freeway. There's really no reason to ever take it to the to the point where, you know, you're you're this angry over somebody cutting you off or, or, or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. Right. But like then we have to look at it and say the dude in the front, like, I don't know, did he do anything wrong? He, he really didn't. Like he went to a a place, we say, go to a public place where, you know, and this is during the daytime, I think it was a 5 30 PM. So, so what else are, what other things could he have done? Well, maybe, you know, he could have driven away as the guy approached with the knife. Right. But who knows? Then this becomes another road rage incident at another place. But, um, but, you know, think about, about other options. I'm not saying this guy did anything wrong. I think it was totally justified if somebody's trying to pull the door open or uh, has a knife, then and you can articulate that you thought that he was going to be able to gain access and, and stab you. That you know, I I don't want to get in into the particulars of that. At least you know you can, Riley. But like, I just wanted the overarching uh, idea. Idea is give yourself options. Like if you can. Give yourself the option to drive away. If you know this guy's pulling up behind you and you see him get out and he has a knife or he's even, you know, approaching your vehicle, it, maybe you get in the, maybe you just drive away, right? Leave, leave your vehicle running and, and keep the doors locked and drive away if that happens. So I'm not, again, just 
giving ourselves options always is better than having to re- react to what the what the other person uh you know the, the situation the other person gives us mm-hmm. yep uh, i think that's a fine analysis of all of that and that was exactly kind of where my mind went to is uh consider consider all the avenues available to you to try to avoid the situation avoid the road rage incident uh some some it's entirely possible that some things may happen where due to no fault of our own necessarily we somehow because we just happen to come in contact with the wrong person the wrong day and that person wants to take their rage out on on you and and whoever else um you might not have that that choice or that option to deescalate or get away from the situation. But think about all your avenues for escape. Uh, think about contacting 911 as soon as possible. Uh, if you can get to a police station, if you can get to where a, a police officer is able to pull in behind you or intercept the situation, you know, while you're still able to move on the road, that might be better than getting stopped and actually being, you know, coming face to face with this, this attacker. Uh, maybe due to the way this other person is driving, it makes it less safe to continue driving. Well, again, just be really thinking heads up, uh, looking for opportunities and avenues for escape uh, or getting to a place of safety, right? And of course, if all else fails, well, at least like in this case, hopefully you are properly armed, properly trained, properly prepared to do what you got to do. Yes, sir. After all, their options have been exhausted, and that's the key. Yeah. Well, great. Uh, appreciate the covering these uh, justified safe stories with you today, Matthew. Uh, guys, a quick reminder that today's episode is sponsored by the 2021 Guardian Conference, September 17th to the 19th in Oklahoma City. Again, we talked earlier about Larry Vickers. Uh, Matt Little, Jeff Gonzalez, being a newly listed instructor on you know on the list here uh, for this event. Uh, Spencer Keepers involved, Steve Moses, Chuck Haggard, Sam Middlebrook, Brian Eastridge, Haney McMood. You might not recognize some of those names, but I assure you, all these guys we have vetted and we know them to be excellent instructors and experts in their respe- in their respective fields. Andrew Branca, Todd Fossey, guys, you're going to want to be here, and you see the event dates and times listed there. Uh, breakfast, lunch provided each day of the event. Bre- by breakfast, we mean it, it, it'll be kind of like continental style breakfast, but there will be some some breakfast available on site each day. Lunch will be provided each day of the event. Uh, snacks and water on site. There will be vendors there, opportunities for networking. Uh, it's going to be awesome, guys. So check it out, guardianconference.com. Take advantage of the super early bird and early bird pricing. And we hope to see you at the first annual Guardian Conference presented by CCW Safe. And also go take a look at readyupgear.com and the brand new modular compact flashlight that we call the Spark. You see it here in some of the packaging that I'm holding up. Um, guys, it's an awesome little light. I, I really, really like this little light. And we actually spent a lot of time and effort uh, into, into the design behind this light and making it as compact as we could with as much brightness and and performance as we could get out of it for this size. And also it's modular. 
Okay, so I won't go into details because we're out of time, but the modular aspect opens up a whole new world of possibilities with this light as far as what you can do with it. And you can learn more, again, at readyupgear.com. And if you didn't catch my drift, I mean, it's already modular with what it comes with, but guys, there's likely going to be other options coming down the road, and that's really exciting. Matthew, we need to give away a prize. Guys, we do. Every week we give away a podcast, uh, a lucky podcast listener winner, get a prize for just for signing up via our uh, giveaway uh, at uh, uh, concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize is the link where you can do it. What are we giving away today, Matthew? Today we're giving away one of the big stick t-shirts. Yeah, one of my favorites. Uh, so it's a pretty cool uh, t-shirt that we designed a while back that uh, borrows from a phrase by President uh, uh, Theodore Roosevelt talking about his foreign um, policy. And his, his idea was speak softly and carry a big stick. And we think that's such an apt descriptor of how we want to be as concealed carriers with, with the proper mindset, right? Speak softly, avoid conflict, all that. But, you know, when, when the time comes that you need to do something more, well, then have a big stick. Have the ability to actually defend yourself properly. So one lucky winner of the big stick t-shirt, as we call it. Matthew, who is it this week? Uh, it happens to be somebody by the name of Matthew. So congratulations, Matthew, with the last name that starts with an F. I'll be emailing you. Um, make sure you check your your spam folders and all that. Did you sign up for the giveaway? <laughs> <laughs> not open to employees and contractors at concealedcarry.com. No, 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 no. This is not me. <laughs> this is not me, but it is a cool shirt. I wish I had one. So. <laughs> Awesome. Congrats, Matthew, for being our lucky winner. And Matthew, if you could just tease for us next week's prize. It is something we've never given away before. Draw like a pro course. Awesome. Yeah. So that, that was a fun one to put together. Uh, so actually our social media manager, Mitch, and I went to the range and filmed that. It's about an hour long course where really what it, what it is is intended to teach uh, folks how to, how to draw better, right? how to be more efficient in your draw stroke. And uh, so we used Matthew, or not Matthew, but uh, Mitch as our analog for that and spent the time with Mitch making him draw better. And you can see very clearly in that video how he goes from, you know, one speed to uh, quite a bit faster speed. And uh, that's, that's, that's pretty awesome to see when people make improvements. And sometimes the tweaks are very minimal. So if you want to learn how to draw like a pro, Guys, go sign up for next week's giveaway. It'll be winners. Will the giveaway will close? I think Tuesday night at midnight, and we'll announce the winner Wednesday during the podcast. Concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. Yeah. It's time to get out of here and let you all go. So, with that, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe, so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. Reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.